Hello and welcome to another Who Knows episode of Running Inside Out podcast, where I ramble about the places, the races, running things, or random things, and really just try not to cause a scene. Now, a regular Rio would have a guest talking about their running adventures and ideally talking more than I do during the episode. And boy, howdy, today do we have a real doozy for you. Uh, but first, the story. You know, the day this episode is released, March 30th, I have the distinct pleasure of moderating a talk amongst a panel of speakers at Medved Running and Walking. It's a little series called Voices from the Trail. Mortnace used to put on these uh, talks maybe about once a year back in the before times, and I had the privilege of moderating a few of those. As a bonus, I got to record them and share them on the podcast. Everybody wins. Well, uh, you know, due to some lousy execution by a ham-fisted producer, uh, me, the 2018 Voices recording was unlistenable and never released. Pretty much thought it was lost to time. But thanks to some uh, five-ish more years of experience, uh, some better audio editing tools, thanks patrons, really saved my bacon there. And quite honestly, a lot of luck, um, something was able to be salvaged. And actually, I think it's pretty good. It, uh, I stuck it in my ears and it turned out all right. Um, so, you know, hooray. Now, a word of caution first. If you are coming to the talk tonight, maybe save this episode for another time. Two of these things in one day could, you know, maybe just be a bit too much inspiration and excitement all at once. Or let's face it, that's quite a bit of Chris O'Brien all at once. But if you aren't able to make it to the talk, hopefully this will be a little something to tide you over until tonight's panel shows up on the podcast feed, you know, because the first producer was fired and we got a better producer and that producer is really not going to screw it up. Teal, surprise, it's, it's me again, but I'm not going to screw it up. So uh, anyways, without uh, anything further from me, I present to you the voices from the past. Uh, no, uh, I am quite happy to be able to finally share the stories of Jason Vidmar, Michael Burke, Nate Huckle, Katie Gadu, and Joy Valvano from this night way back in 2018 with you. And uh, sorry for any residual poor audio quality. It remains the fault of the producer and not the panelists. I'd like to welcome everyone. Thank you. This is a special night. Um, it's fun how many people I know in this room. For those that don't know me, I'm Morton Ace, general manager of the shop, and trail fanatic. And this is a favorite thing to plan for sure. Um, but please, welcome to the shop, and uh, we look forward to tonight. Um, especially like to welcome some recent rim to rim to rim runners. There are several in the room. Yay. Huge accomplishment. Look forward to hoping you'll share your story tonight as well. Common interest of a few people on our on our panel. Congrats to Laura Reckers. Yeah. Yeah. In Utah. Huge run. Looking forward to hearing more of that. Hope you'll share. Um, one reason we scheduled tonight next week is our first night of the season for the Thursday night trail runs. And this next week will be in Menden Ponds. 
at 6 o'clock Thursday night, no charge, but we've got a full schedule already planned out through October. Come and join us for any of those runs, about an hour long. Otherwise, there is lots of race propaganda around in the middle of the store. You would have passed it on your way in. Um, but these folks, I'm especially grateful to you guys sharing your time tonight. Um, I, instead of introducing each one by name as I often do, I thought I'd introduce their accomplishments and throughout the evening, I suspect you'll figure out who has done what, much of which has already been out, um, has been posted through our newsletters and whatnot. Uh, but among these athletes, we have a 10-time finisher of the Bull Run Run 50-miler, finisher of the Halliburton Forest 100-miler, mile, as well as the Vermont 100-miler. We also have uh, an athlete that I've known since teaching high or middle school English to my oldest daughter. He's coached high school, uh, the MedVest distance training group a long time ago, and is currently coaching college at Canisius. Recently has done rim to rim to rim among many, many athletic um, accomplishments. Uh, we also have someone up here who makes it a priority with his family to do all things outdoors. Later this year, uh, that person will complete their first 50K adding to a resume of over 75 races. Currently on the board of the Blue Foundation that hosts both the Stash Dash 5K and the Mighty Mosquito Relay that we hope to hear a lot more about tonight. One athlete on our panel has done a sub five minute mile, a sub three hour marathon, a sub 24 hour 100 mile, as well as has hiked all 46 high peaks. I think there might be some stories in that. One other athlete um, known to many of his friends is Trail Dad. And I could list a lot of accomplishments here, but what he's best known for, or at least we're having fun teasing about, is despite the experience, still managing to forget shoes, food, and recently pants <laughs> on an adventure in Utah. So I want to hear more about that story. <laughs> but hey guys, thank you for sharing your time. A special thank you is this guy to my right, Chris O'Brien, Running Inside Out Podcast. Uh, I get a lot of credit for this idea. Yes, it's my idea to put this on. But Chris takes this idea, polishes it up, and makes it shine. So this whole night, Chris gets a lot, deserves all the credit in the world for making it shine. And with that, I'd like to get started. If you didn't hear me earlier, Joy will be joining us in a little bit. Um, but I throw out this question to all four of you. And why did you say yes to joining us tonight? Uh, some of you are on the fence. and. Um, pretty humbled about it, but we'd like to know why you, and in the end, decided to say yes. And I could pick a name, but if someone wants to jump in and start off, go for it. I could kick it off. I, I mean, I'd probably start with, you know, Morton Ace, he's, he's, he's a pretty intimidating guy. I mean, he's <laughs> physically intimidating. Uh, that is, no, that's not the sole reason. But yeah, you don't, Mort's a guy that's always had, um, you know, he's just got a real love and passion for the community, for the trails, for adventuring. It's an infectious thing, so... You know, when Mort asks you to step up, share a few stories, that you, how do you say no to that? And plus, had a chance to meet these these awesome guys and gals. It's a nice bonus. I, I jump at any chance to have all the attention on me, so that's why I'm here. Uh, uh, no, um, actually, um, since I met Mort just over a year ago, he's already helped me, and uh, the rest of the people here at MedVet have already helped me in more ways than I can count in terms of running. And so when Mort asks me to do something, I don't hesitate. I just say, yep, whatever you need, man, I'm there. So, 
I have uh, <clears throat> had the same handheld water bottle for probably five or six years and uh, I lost it the rim to rim run so I thought I could come into the store and try out some new handhelds so I decided <laughs> to come out from Buffalo um, but uh, you know in all seriousness the uh, the Rochester community was my home for 15 years it's a very special running community uh, Mort introduced me to a lot of races got me out to my first couple of trail races uh, back when I was doing muddy sneaker in the early days any chance that I can get to come back and be a part of the trail community and the running community in Rochester, I jump at it. So when he asked me, it was I, I didn't hesitate at all. It was absolutely because uh, it's a special place to me and a special crowd. Um, I've never been on a podcast, and so this might be my only chance. Um, I'm a listener, so I was like, I, sure. I've thrown that chance to you previously, <laughs> I believe. Just on the record for that one. Um, and then I grew up in Rochester. I've been coming to Medved for you know, uh, since I was probably a freshman in high school to buy running shoes. And so um, the chance to come back here and uh, speak with uh, these other fine runners and get a chance to talk to other trail runners and, you know, share stories is something that I was happy to do. And uh, Joy has joined us. So, Joy, the, uh, the Mort said a lot of nice things about you before you uh, showed up. <laughs> And now he's wondering, uh, why did you say yes to coming here tonight to be on this panel? Um, I think the main reason is because I thought it was very uh, sweet of Mort to invite me to come. But um, I guess I feel like I've really gained a lot over the years from trail running, um, in particular um, long distance running. So it was, it was kind of fun to be a part of something that was celebrating that and talking to other people, being part of the discussion around running right and uh i came here for a lot of the reasons that mike came here right is uh you know the people i like to have people listen to me talk um because <laughs> because i you know i have kids at home so nobody listens to me to talk back there so um but one of the one of the best things about this evening is um that we don't really know where it's gonna go just just like a long run, you know, on a Saturday in the woods, you don't you you have an idea of what's going to happen, but you're not necessarily sure you're going to you're going to start and you're going to finish, but you don't really know what's going to happen in between. And that's that's what I really like about this night. I have no idea what we're going to talk about or what they're going to share. I have like we're going to go from this point to that point to that point. And then Mort's going to eventually kick us out because he doesn't want to keep paying, you know, his employees overtime. So <laughs> we're going to have to leave at some point. That's all I have for a plan. So um, I'm really interested to see where this goes. And I think um, an interesting way to start beyond what, what brought you here um, is by starting off with one of our random questions. See, this is it. Random scribbles. Um, all right, Mr. Water Bottle. <laughs> Nate, uh, do you ever use a fanny pack in your training or racing? I'm looking. Yeah, I see him in the back. I knew who that came from. That's, that's, that's a target. Um, <laughs> oh, see, I didn't even know that. You yeah. <laughs> I actually, as, as much as I've avoided fanny packs over the last uh, probably 10 years since I won one at the uh, Dances with Dirt, um, I actually used one for my first uh, my first 50 miler. I had a fanny pack that I carried with me before I got my vest. So yeah, that's an ongoing joke uh, with the uh, 
the Medved crowd here. So the thing was, was it was it, was it good? I mean, did you, did, you know? Yeah, it was all right. You pushing right. the, the Huckle line of fanny packs here? Huckle packs? I don't know if anybody would buy them. They're making honestly. a comeback. Yeah? yeah? Well, actually, some of my athletes at Canisius have, them, have fanny packs now. But uh, I don't know if I can pull them off. <laughs> all right. Um, anybody else use a, what? What kind of what do you use down there, Vidmar? What's, what kind of packs do you use? You know, my, my I got a lot of dynamic range in my gear. You know, um, and I think when I first started getting into trail running, uh, just you know, getting used to it, what type of gear worked, it was a lot more. I planned a lot more, even for runs around the neighborhood. I remember once I went out. I think Valerie can attest to this. I actually went out with an ice axe and a rope just for like a winter run in Ellison. When I first got into trail running, I was like, this is hardcore, man. Yeah. I got to have this ice axe. Yeah, you brought a tow chain, a uh, wheelbarrow, a 50-pound bag of rock salt to a beer mile. That's true. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a Jeff Green beer mile. That, well, is, uh, that, makes, it, that makes it perfectly reasonable. Average. Yeah, you got to have some gear for that. That was the same beer mile that Maynadesi was wearing shorts in four-degree weather. And... Doing an, doing an Irish jig for two hours. Yeah, so yeah, that's a unique sample there. You can't, <laughs> you, know, you can't draw too many conclusions from that. All right. So, Joy, fanny packs or no? Um, probably when I first started, but then I got very, um, I now just carry um, a water bottle, handheld water bottle. Um, but I'm finding now, as I get older, I probably need to carry a little bit more. So now I've graduated to one of those uh, spy belt things which seemed to fit a whole bunch of stuff in. Um, I've been considering one of those vests because those, I've never worn one, but people seem to really like those. Um, yeah, but, but if you When I made, started out, those weren't around, so. I was gonna say, if you made it this far in your running career and you're just now considering <laughs> a vest. Right, right, so I don't, yeah, that's exactly right. So I don't know if it's worth the investment. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so fanny packs, they're a thing. Get, get the huckle line of fanny packs at, at Medbend. I think my reason for wearing one for my first 50 mile too is that I'm incredibly cheap. And so I, I won it at a, at a race someplace and instead of buying something that might have worked better, I just wore what I had. So I, I don't usually buy clothing. I don't buy, I haven't bought socks to run in for years. I just do Mort's, Nate, Mort's races and then get socks. And I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a fleece from one of Mort's races. I'm wearing a shirt underneath is from Mort's race. Like I just don't buy anything. So that's if I hit whatever equipment I win someplace, that's what I'm going to be testing in the next ultra. Yeah. Just just run a goose race and get some quality socks, yep. right? Yep. So when uh, when Mort asked me to do this and he, he was talking about the the people that he brought up here, I couldn't help but notice there's there's these you know there's two people up here that have done rim to rim to rim, right? And and there's um, Twisted Branch is a commonality in here. Um, there's coaching and there's mentoring and there's there's guidance and um, what what's really interesting to me is they all seemed like different people to me I was like oh that person that person they're all different until they they gave us their their extensive list of accomplishments and you start to see similarities and um, one of the things that I like is when you're on a run and you start to like you, you run with somebody and you think you've never met them before, right? And then they say, oh, wait, weren't you at so-and-so? Or wait, don't I remember you from this or that? And one of my favorite things is Katie has an, a new last name. She's now Katie Gadu. Yeah. 
Did I get that? You got, you got that. that. I took good. some. I took some French class back in my days. <laughs> it's not French, actually. Yeah, well, but so it's okay. I, pr- <laughs> I pronounced. Sorry. It, I pronounced it French, and it worked. It worked. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Katie, Katie, uh, her previous last name was Katie DeRusso. And um, so Katie's run a lot of races as Katie DeRusso, and now she's sort of undercover um, as Katie Gadu, not the French Katie Gadu. Um, so your races, you're always running up front a lot. And what I want to understand, at least to sort of set this, we talk adventures and we talk racing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you do both. But tell me about... Um, running up front in a race and and if you want to pick one that's fine but what's that like to be running up front and to be being chased um please do share (laughs) (laughs) well i think with ultras i still uh in trail racing i still think of myself as relatively new um and i just it's not like a thing i try and do in them i actually i try and start out very conservatively and then just find myself in that position um but what's great is like even if i'm among the top female runners um there's always a ton of like guys around me that i'm running with and the trail community um is so welcoming and so great that like i don't feel like i'm in the front and i need to like i'm racing people it feels like a community that i'm running with and we're all trying to succeed um I know you asked earlier, like, if I only pick races where I'm going to end up in the top uh, top few. That's definitely not true. No, no. I, I guess I meant, like, do you enter, you you wait until you're fully prepared to enter a race? Like, because I'm running, I'm <laughs> running, I'm running Muddy Sneaker in uh, about four weeks. Yeah. And I guarantee you, no matter what I do in those four weeks, I'm not going to be prepared. Um, Nate's laughing at me because I've known him for about 10 years and we've done, we've gone, uh, run a lot of races together and also gone on adventures. And I am perpetually like underprepared to do some of the things that we attempt. Um, And so I would not say that I only attempt races when I'm prepared for them. I just kind of like hope for the best and then try and hang on. (laughs) But but she's, knowing her for so long, she's very, mentally very strong she's a a strong runner so that will carry her sometimes when maybe she's not in the best shape that she's ever been but she's still in decent shape and so she can focus and she races very smart so like she was saying she'll go out conservative and if it were a day where she got in over her head if her fitness wasn't that great she would fall off but she's a very smart racer and uh yeah we're gonna get into we're gonna get into some of that later coach (laughs) um joy what about what about you and you have um, and I'll, I'll sort of uh, one of Mort's illusions. Um, you've run Bull Run, right? Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of times. How many times have you done the Bull Run run? I've run it 10 times. Right. Yeah. For the people in the back, how many times have you run it? 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done, that, you've done that race 10 times. Yes. Is that, a, is that a competition thing or a love for the course or love for the race? Um. It's a fun race to do because it's one of the early, well, for us, you know, it's one of the early spring races. So you go down there in April and it's spring, where it's not always spring here. Um, I've done it with a wide, uh, big community of friends over the years. So um, when I first started getting into ultras, uh, a lot of people that I knew who were doing ultras, that was one of the races that everybody did. It was a fun trip. We would go down. 
And then, you know, after doing it a few times, well, you want to do it five times because you get something at five, and then it was, well, you want to do it ten times because you get something at ten, and sort of that, um, uh, that was kind of a fun thing to do. But um, I, I guess, you know, I've all, I'm, I'm competitive with myself, so particularly when I was a little bit younger, I always wanted to try and beat my time from the year before. And it, with ultras, you know, the courses are always so different. So you can't really compare one course to another course. So it was always, so if I did that course annually, I could kind of see where I was at in terms of um, fitness level. So I, that, that was one of, another reason, but mostly because I had a lot of friends, Dave being one of them, that, you know, we would go down every year and we'd have a ball. So for the people that don't know, do, do any, any of the other panelists have experience with bull run? No of it, but no. No. So what what's it what is it what's it like? So it's a um, it's down in uh, uh, Manassas and it's a um, they kind of the people that run it it's been through a bunch of course directors over the years but the people that run it they do it as a north south kind of competition. Um, it's really a nice course. The first 60 miles is very flat and kind of along the riverbed, and then the last however many thank you Dave you go up into the mountains and it's very Dave, I, I up have and a down I have a microphone yeah. right here for you Dave. <laughs> you know and then there and there's you know the aid stations the volunteers are really fun and they dress up and you know so there's a bit of character to it as well um, but it's a it's a really nice course it's a very runnable trail so it's it's uh, unlike something like uh, Twisted Branch where it can be very you know, grueling. It's it's not it's challenging, but it's not grueling. So it's kind of a also very very runnable right. most years. Yeah, and so so um, you've done Twisted Branch, and Katie's also done Twisted Branch. Jason Vidmar hasn't done Twisted Branch. I don't think I have. Have I? I'm no. Scott no. No. He's heading down the Georgia Death Race, right? Right. Otherwise, right. So um, I paced it. Though. You well, I mean, yeah, you did, you did, yeah, you did, you did, (laughs) you did a couple miles on it. You know, that's kind of neat. But it seems like what you did for Bull Run was camaraderie and fun, and that's the ultra to do. And I, I think that's what Twisted Branch has sort of brought to this area is that fun and camaraderie. And now we all got this big hundred k ultra, and and it's above most of our heads, and yet we still strive for it. Jason's gone down and did uh, Georgia Death Race last year, and he thinks he can't do Twisted Branch for some reason. <laughs> oh, the kids are going back to school around that time. I'm using the kids' scapegoats already here. Oh, they, yeah, they're not, not listening. But uh, no, I'm kidding around. <laughs> yeah, you know, I honestly, I think it's just the timing. Twisted Branch is a daunting race. I mean, it's legit. I don't know that I would even say, hey, Georgia Death Race, Twisted Branch, they're different themes. GDR is very much kind of the young kind of fraternity style, edgy, you know, you're all going to die sort of theme. Um, that's not Scott McGee. Scott McGee, that's not his stick, right? It's more of a celebration of the community. It's, it's a tough as nails course. I think I think Twisted Branch is every bit as tough as GDR. Honestly, when you look at finisher rates, it depends if you like to climb or not. I mean, GDR is a ton of climb. You know, I think the 20,000 feet is a more of a marketing number than it is a real number, but uh, Twisted Branch is legit. Um, so I, I would honestly love to do that race, Chris. 
just waiting for the right year. Yeah. yeah you got to pick and choose your year. So, but you did take a road trip down to Georgia Death Race, right? I did. That was yeah. just last year, right? About about this time. We were driving down last so, year, yeah. So it's still in your memory. So um, you just pulled that out of nowhere. You're like, I'm going down to GDR. Yeah, I think we actually had, so I was on Chris's podcast in January. We were talking about some of the things that I did in 2016, and I think I made the statement on your podcast, like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to drop out of GDR and not do it. Um, but lo and behold, I decided to do a 50K on very minimal training and qualified and said, hey, let's let's give this thing a try. we got six, six seven weeks to train. That should be enough, right? Um, so I learned a lot through that process. I think Valerie's back there smiling. It's definitely, I don't know how to recommend going into it with that exact mindset. When you go into the ultra mindset, I mean, it really is like picking up a part-time job, right? You gotta, it, it, affect, it impacts your life in many ways. What was that, what was that 50K that you kind of just did to qualify for Georgia Death Race? What was that? A winter, winter Buckeye Trail 50K. Yeah. You know, uh, more, you might know the RD there. I'm not sure. I think Scott does. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It's his race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, what was the race that you tried to qualify as the 50k oh that bar, yeah, barclay fall classic right yeah. that's a, that a bad choice as the qualifier yeah so what was that what was that all about <laughs> you know i mean a lot of people i think are probably familiar with the barclay right i mean the netflix effect effect has hit and uh barclay fall classic is uh laz lake it's not his real name it's his stage name right he holds a 50k ish race and that's the race where he lets like 400 people in so no special qualifier there but he does take you on a tour it's a hidden, you know, the secretive course map, but he takes you up rat jaw. Go Are you going to adjust me here? No, keep talking. Should I project more? You're fine. <laughs> Just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, so he takes you up some of the famous hills. If you guys are familiar with Barkley Lore, rat jaw, uh, testicle spectacle is one of them. Sorry. Testicle tests. spectacle, um, he said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meth lab hill. There's these interesting names, right? Uh, basically, power line cuts. And, uh, he, you know, that, that's the course. That's, that's the draw, right? It's get a sample of Barkley but not the full thing. And uh, I did attempt that, had a real, it was a hot day. <laughs> I love how we all come with these, these excuses, but yeah, I opted for the marathon finish, which uh, preserved my ultrasonic ranking, but it's a DNF in my mind. I didn't finish the 50K there. I ended up kind of face down on rat jaw uh, in the briar patches, losing you know my food for the day. And uh, actually took me two hours and change to go one mile up this hill. <laughs> during Barkley. That was a moment where I realized, okay, this is starting to find out where the limits are, you know? But that's very memorable in my mind. So I'm, I'm glad for that experience. And I'm glad you chose voluntarily <laughs> to share it with us. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my qualifier attempt. Needless to say, I didn't qualify, but uh, I picked a, a more of a Flatlander 50K and was able to do GDR. I recommend. Yeah. Recommend. Sales pitch. Recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, the uh, as as we're talking about some of these the crazier stories of the people that I know one of the one of the stories that Nate has that I know is Nate paced Katie during her hundred at Burning River um, that was the same Burning River that uh, Dan Ostrander ran and um, Laura ran um, that was Laura's first hundred it was Dano's uh, second hundred because he did Leadville and then it was your first hundred right. Yeah. And uh, Nate paced Katie uh, to a sub 24 hour finish. Nate's a coach. He uh, he he forms young minds and legs 
Uh, what was it like to be um, running with Katie as um, she's, you know, going through her thing? I'm just going to add, running was generous towards the end, <laughs> and also he just lied to me the entire time. That was the key to his coaching. So she's <laughs> on record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a great experience. It really was. I, I, I posed this question to Katie um, some time ago. It might have been when we were doing Ontario Summit last year. I asked her, you know, which did you enjoy more, running your 100 or pacing me through my 100? Because I've, I've gone back and forth with that question myself. Did I enjoy my 100 more? I enjoyed part of it. Uh, <laughs> there was part of it I didn't really very enjoy very much. Um, but I really enjoyed pacing her through her 100 mile. And I jumped in did the whole back half of Burning River. There's an option to do that, so I ran the 52 miles. And that was a long pacing effort. It was, uh, jumped in midday and went all the way through till like three in the morning, I think. And <clears throat> we had a, a great crew. Um, Dave, Katie's husband, was, was our primary race crew. And so that made it better because I had to juggle my own nutrition because I was going 52 miles and, and juggle my own, you know, everything that I was dealing with and then also keep make sure that Katie was on her nutrition and make sure that she was on pace because she was going for that sub 24 hours and yeah it's it's definitely it was a great experience I felt I really enjoyed it quite a bit and it was um it was it was tough it was as as somebody who is has coached for so long almost 20 years now I've been coaching I sometimes have a hard time to separate coaching from friendship right so it's like okay where am i katie's friend and where am i kind of playing that coaching role and late in the race i was you're gonna see like people at their lowest when you're coaching them through like midnight to two o'clock in the morning and you know so I'm, I'm going through periods where she's at an emotional low and a physical low and i'm trying to be all right am i a hard ass right now or am i supportive and uh, there were times that i was definitely lying to her um to, to get her to go faster we had a we had a plan that she was gonna what was it, run for a minute and walk for a minute? And, yes. And so I didn't think that that was going to get her to the sub-24 hours, and so I had her running for like two to three minutes and then walking for a minute. And she was just kind of out of it, so she couldn't really tell, except one of the things that we do, she's, she's coached a lot as well up at the Olympic Training Center with me, and we always coach the kids on working with 90 strides per minute. Right, so you're trying to hit 90 strides per minute to be an efficient runner. So she started counting her strides because we always tell them count your strides because that will get you through and get you turning over quickly. So she starts counting her strides and we're supposed to be running for one minute and she's hitting like 170 strides and she's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just totally out. I don't think I can count anymore. <laughs> and uh, so we probably did that for a good hour towards the end because we're and this was when she's she's throwing up and she's you know delirious and I'm just trying to get her to the next aid station and lying to her and she kind of caught on and I don't know I can't remember if she was laughing about it or not I don't think she was at that point now we laugh about it but at that point it was like I hate you but thank you and, yeah. Yeah. but what was your finishing time Katie uh 23 39 40, yeah so good like job that. with those 21 minutes huh? we got there <laughs> it worked it was yeah. effective we got there and so you know um we'll we'll transition just a tiny bit um I think one of the interesting things about, you know, Mike talking about uh, Mighty Mosquito 99, uh, the first year Mighty Mosquito 99 came in, there were six solo runners, and it was a trails rock race, and um, 
I was one of those six solo runners, but I was training for Twisted Branch, so I was not running 99 miles. I was there to do 40 miles and, and be done, you know. Um, but there were a few people there that were looking for 99 miles, and they went through the night. And those loops and laps and friends really sort of brought them through that whole thing. And, Mike, one of the things when you were talking with Trails Rock, the biggest thing you said was this kind of event, this community, this trail racing, this encouragement, this why we want to put on Mighty Mosquito 99 again. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about, um, one, the, the transition from Trails Rock to Blue Foundation and mm -hmm. then... And then what you guys plan to do and why that's important to you. Sure. Um, so um, the Blue Foundation, we basically, um, we grew out of the Stash Dash, which is just a 5K event in Canandaigua. And um, the person who had been doing it, they were basically just uh, doing one race. And then they were donating all the money to the American Cancer Society. And she moved to Colorado and she asked me to sort of, take over a little bit and that grew into like I got I recruited my friends Rob right here and, and another friend of mine and we sort of grew that race a lot and we did a lot with it and we decided well we want to give the money to local families instead of giving it to the American Cancer Society so we kind of changed sort of the flavor of it and the person who who had the race before she was thrilled she was really happy that we were growing the found the program and then we started so Rob and I are avid trail runners and we're hosting this road 5k and we're like this is not us like this was her and that was great but this is not us like we really need a trail race and we started kind of kicking around ideas and every it, without fail every couple of months we would go to Egan and go hey are you gonna do the Mighty Mosquito again and because that was the most fun we've ever had racing and he's like, no, you know, he kind of him and hawed for a while. And then eventually he was like, nope, we're, we're, we're putting it to rest. And I was like, okay. So at that moment we were looking for a race to start. And, and I went to Rob and my other partner and I said, instead of starting a race, why don't we ask Trails Rock if we can take the Mighty Mosquito, which is a great race. And why don't we just take that? Cause that really, that really represents us it's just it's a team event and it's trails and it's through the night and it's long and it's camping and it's like everything about that race is like that's that's us so we went to trails rock and they were gracious enough to allow us to do it and um we um we're not straying far from the model that they created because if it ain't broke don't fix it so um we're still at mended ponds we actually had what appeared to be a problem at first end up being, we think, a blessing. We couldn't get Hopkins Point, so we got Stewart Lodge instead. And we're really happy about that because now everything is in one place. Rather than camping 400 yards from the start-finish, you're gonna be camping right at the start-finish line. And Stewart Lodge is awesome, and they just put a party deck there, and we're super stoked. So it's gonna be awesome this year. The loops are gonna look fairly familiar. We're putting our own spin on it, mm -hmm. but and it's men in ponds. There's three. There's three loops at men in ponds, right? So well, yeah. there, it depends on who you are. There's, <laughs> there's a couple people out here that tell you there's only one loop at men in ponds. <laughs> That's a good and point. And it covers about 40 miles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so. I so I think what's what's interesting about that is it's it's again it's all about like the people connections, 
And, you know, Joy's talking about we we drove all the way down to Manassas to go running because that was the ultra. Um, so I, I, I'm wondering, uh, do you still do that now, even though there's a million, million ultras? Is it still about running ultras with your friends, Joy? Um, yes and no. A lot of my friends, unfortunately, that I've done a lot of my races with over the years have gotten injured and aren't able to do the long distances. So the last few years I've been doing them more on my own but given the opportunity I would always choose to go with friends just because it um, and certainly you meet friends there and you see people that you know from other races but it um, it certainly um, is much more of an adventure and I enjoy I enjoy you know having the camaraderie um, so yeah I mean a little of both for me now but um, given the opportunity I always invite people to come with me and if they can um, or join those that are going so yeah I, I enjoy that I'm not like a front of the pack racer I'm more of a mid and getting closer to the back I guess as the years go on but um, it doesn't dampen my spirit or my enjoyment in any way yeah. there's, there's more friends at the back of the pack quite yeah. honestly <laughs> there are yes, um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back into the hole here, and I'm gonna find this question. Uh, Joy, could you uh, tell us about your encounter with the uh, moose at the <laughs> Halliburton 100 miler? Because running 100 miles isn't hard enough. So yeah. <laughs> so um, I was had just so that course is two loops, 25 miles out and back twice, and I had just done. I just gone to the 75 and I was on my you know I would say final but it was going to take quite a while but I just so I was probably at about 80 miles on my way back and in Halliburton it truly is trails that are very a lot of them are very um, like there's not much space on the sides so um, so I'm running down the trail and I was by myself at this point it was probably I don't know, at least midnight, maybe one in the morning. It was pretty, um, pretty late. And um, I heard, you know, I could see some headlamps coming the other way and I heard somebody say, stop. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but I stopped. And then I could hear, you know, somebody on the other side saying, um, there's a moose. And I would have run right into it. I swear to God, because I just was running, I would have run right into it. So thank goodness there were people coming the other way. So I backed up, and you know you could sort of see the outline, but it was really dark. And I hear on the other side this woman's voice saying, "Go on," and she had bear bells. Go on, Moosey, go play. Go on, go on. And that went on for like five minutes, and finally the moose moved off the trail. But um, what was funny was then when I saw the two people on the other side, the one of uh, the guys, Dan Kress, actually was from, was one of the people we had driven up with. So that was kind of funny. But I thank God they were coming the other way at that time because I don't, I wouldn't have seen it. I would have just ran into them or hopefully gone under them. I don't know how big it was, but <laughs> it would not have been good. Anybody else have uh, wildlife encounters? I mean, you were out in Utah with the bison, weren't you? Yeah, that was kind of the joke. I mean, I was pacing um, crew and Laura Records out there at the Antelope Island Buffalo Run 100 mile. And uh, 
you know, it's an island out there in the Great Salt Lake. This was like a big geography lesson for us, figuring this out. Pretty awesome environment, but it's full of, still can't figure out if we're talking bison or buffalo, what the uh, equivalency is, but it's full of herds of buffalo, right, roaming this island. So we joked a lot about, hey, you know, what is our top sprint speed? You know, what are the chances we're going to have to suddenly accelerate, you know, Usain Bolt style? They will charge you, you know, if you, if you kind of uh, tick them off. Um, generally, getting to crowd their space, if you look them in the eye, that sort of thing. And I remember we didn't see many during our run. Um, and I ran with Laura less than Nate did with Katie. I think I logged, you know, 40 total out there. But at the very end, it's like last five miles, I could have sworn I was telling her, I was like, I think I looked him in the eye. There was like this bison out there. Like, I, think, I think I looked him in the eye. She was in between me and the bison, fortunately. Um, you know, great pacer here, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was probably the closest I got to, you know, over a thousand pound animal, um, you know, looking at me askance. Nothing too serious, though. I did have a fear when I was in the Grand Canyon during Rim to Rim to Rim that coming back out at night, uh, it was dark, hiking out the south rim uh, to the point you could turn your headlamp off, you could kind of see the trails by the moonlight, right? Mm -hmm. Which I realized after a while, not the smartest thing to do in the canyon, <laughs> to be hiking by in the darkness, there's fall off. Um, but uh, I did have a fear of like a mountain lion just jumping, jumping out and just ripping my face off. That was kind of my... <laughs> My fear, you read stories and things like that, but very rare to have an encounter with a mountain lion in the canyon. So that's the mental part you have to get over. Yeah, those are the, the wild the wild mind games, right? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of encounters with wild animals, Nate, what's it like coaching teenagers, huh? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> every day so, is a challenge. Yeah. So do you, I mean, so you have your own running, yeah. but you have everybody else's running as well. And one of the things I noticed that you did was you um, you bring them, you bring your your kids mm -hmm. to events, like you bring them places with you. And and yeah, you're a running coach, but there's there's a lot more there to it as well, right? Yeah, yeah and it, I mean, I coach running, but it's kind of a side job with just kind of like making them overall better people, better human beings, and that's always kind of the way that I've approached coaching. And um, <clears throat> I think part of what I do, I really value the running community. I value what running has given to me over the last 30 years and the people that I've met. And so I try to expose my athletes to that because it's not all about running fast around a track, right? It's about learning about yourself. It's about meeting other people, seeing what human limits are, being compassionate for other people. You know, so we, I took my athletes out to the Twisted Branch uh, Ultra last year. We were at uh, 50, where were we, 54? Four fifty-five ish somewhere around yeah, you're, there. You're at Mitchellsville. Yeah, yeah. Mitchellsville. Um, just because I wanted them to see what suffering looked like, right? Like <laughs> they get all wrapped up in like, oh, this five k is so hard. I'm like, really? Because that's that only takes like twenty minutes, you know. Like if you're not having a good day, and so they got out there and they got to see some people who are really putting it on the line. You know, people who are coming in and like borderline, like some of them are crying. You know, they're coming in, they're crying and. And uh, they just got a new sense of what was possible, and, and they're like, "Wow, that was that was impressive," you know. And and they were giving it back. Like there was one guy that came into the aid station that said, from hearing us over the top of the hill, he thought that he was coming into like a high school because it sounded like a football game because it was so loud and, and everybody was cheering so so much and they were such high energy. And uh, 
we I was, I was really proud of them they did a great job all day and were really attentive to the racers and we had a hundred percent finish rate anybody who made it to our aid station finished the race so i was really proud of them but but that's been something that i've always done um i used to take my teams out to the uh, cast a shadow snowshoe race when i was coaching at brighton and we'd have three or four teams that would do the relay uh, i've always been you know inclusive and in, in trying to introduce them to different things i had kids run the muddy sneaker I've got one of my college athletes, he's now a grad assistant, he's coming out to do the Muddy Sneaker this year, so it's about sharing, right, because you can't be selfish in running. If you find something that's fantastic, you got to share it with other people. you got to let other people know that that exists. Yeah, and how, I, I'm really curious as how how that conflicts or how that augments your own personal running goals, right? I know somebody who coaches... Um, track for kids and he says well it keeps me in shape and then i know somebody that you know coaches cross country and they're like i i can't even keep up with them anymore so i don't try you know and so like you you've run some big races and so how does coaching athletes either augment or conflict with your own personal running goals uh it limits what i can do because i've got to do uh, my athletes come first you know so if we're in season it's like your job like i can't just blow off my job and go do a race someplace i'd love to do uh leadville 100 but it's right at the beginning of our preseason and i i would love to keep doing twisted branch because i love that course it's fantastic but for me twisted branch now falls they moved it a week earlier after the first year so now it's like the day before we go down to our preseason camp so i would be a terrible facilitator of our preseason camp if i were doing oh. twisted branch the day before yeah. so it's it keeps me honest in that i want to keep fit and keep doing this keep you know getting out there and doing crazy races so that they aspire to something but you know it's you've got to find a good balance between them yeah and i'm i'm i asked that question because that's personally what i'm i'm dealing with and twisted branches now i'll be at twisted branch on my 40th birthday so i'm kind of like huh 40th birthday well i guess that's really where i want to be you know is at twisted branch but that that balance between you know, I have I have uh, two seven year olds that want to go out on little trail runs, mm -hmm. and I'll go on little trail runs with them, and then they get all tuckered, and I'm like, well, darn, yeah. you know, I got <laughs> I got three I got three and a half more hours left, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's a little bit of a challenge. You didn't um, bring your kids out to the beer mile. They, they, they didn't. <laughs> 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 they ran the yeah, I brought them out to the open. They were on the playground for the beer mile. That's this being recorded, you know. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, with that little bit. Um, we're gonna go down the line, and uh, Zoe asks, "What is your uh, favorite color of trail shoes?" Papa, what's your favorite color of trail shoes? I gotta go with red. I, I don't know that I have a lot of red trail shoes, but my original red All Trail Lone Peak 1.5s, you know, was kind of my first. Probably not the best, you know, the best design of a shoe, but um, you know, I did some pretty gnarly miles in them. Just it's kind of that first introduction into the trails, being out there, you know, a sick tread. I'm digging. I'm digging the red. Yeah. Red. What about you, Mr. Burke? Dirty. Dirty, <laughs> Un unidentifiable. Yeah, dirty. I don't. I don't look at the colors at all. I mean, so it's whatever. Yeah, Nate. Uh, I do like the flashy colors. Yeah, I started off with uh, a couple of the, the original Cascadias, and I had a pair of like electric blue and a pair of neon yellow, and those I think were my favorite shoes I've ever owned. And 
uh, retired them a long time ago, but the uh, yeah the, the Cascadias always come through in like orange or red or bright green, and I've worn them a long time. Yeah, I got a green and gray pair that I really yeah. really like. Yeah, Katie? I would say like hot pink. So yeah. um, I don't know about shoes. I'm sure I've had some that are hot pink, but I used to wear this hot pink like uh, baseball cap, running cap, and so um, like then my crew and like. Uh, husband could always see me coming from like miles away. They'd be like, there she is in the hot pink cap. So yeah. I think anything that's super bright. Yeah. Joey, what about you? You got you got a favorite? Do you want to admit that you have a favorite color? I'm kind shoes? of boring. You know, yeah. I usually have something blue or gray and then they turn blue or gray. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing too exciting. Whatever. I'm usually going more for fit and comfort. Yeah, that's uh, I did that, but then it turns out that most of them were red. That's how it worked. So, so now you get you get the really the really good one. Um, what's your joy? What is your greatest sacrifice while training for the your most challenging race? When you had your big race, and then you could tell us what that is. But then, where was that? What what was your where was the rub? What was your sacrifice? So probably, um, I would say the, when I did my first, um, well, I don't know, that's a tough question because when I was running, when I was younger, when I first started ultras, you know, the hardest thing was, um, I had young kids. So the time that it took to train was, um, I just got a lot of pushback. I was also in school at the time. So um, people weren't very happy with me at home. So the sacrifice of family time to be able to do, you know, it was around the time that I decided I wanted to do ultras and I wanted to do them. So um, the sacrifice was probably for me was the greatest was family time, particularly when I trained for um, some of the 100 milers that I did early on because I just, um, felt like I really needed to be running a lot to get the experience in and at different times of the day to get the experience in. And so, you know, my husband was uh, pretty supportive, thankfully, but I think it, it was just the time away from home was the biggest sacrifice for me. Yeah, and I think I think when you were talking about there's different times, right? Young kids and then when you're older. Yeah, now nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Katie? Um, I mean, going way back, uh, I ran in high school and college, and I remember I had a coach who would say, um, social life, school, and running, you can pick two. Um, and so I definitely missed out on a lot of the social life growing up. Um, I'm not sure I chose the correct like two, but um, I was a pretty big nerd, so that that's probably what I the biggest sacrifice I gave up. I would say mine kind of echoes Katie's, uh, and I don't feel like I made a sacrifice. I because I, I, I always think there's a negative connotation with the word sacrifice. Right, but it's when I, when I'm doing something that I love so much, um, it's hard for me to feel like I gave, like I missed out on something else. But there are a lot of weekends where, you know, people want to go out on a Friday or Saturday night, and I, you know, I'm sorry, I gotta get up and do a 20 miler in the morning, and you know, just kind of it, it, you just form a habit and you form your life pattern, and you know, sometimes I would go out and sometimes I wouldn't, and you know, I missed out on some things, but I think overall, like running, it's it's the process, right, and that's why I always 
preach with my athletes, like running is a process, it's not the end goals that you're really looking at. You don't look at the outcome, you look at the process. And the process is what shapes who you are as a human being. And I'm pretty happy with myself, so I think I made the okay choices and I don't feel bad about the sacrifices that I made. What about you, Mike? Any, uh, so one of the big things that we haven't sort of talked about is you do a lot of CrossFit and a lot of cross training and a lot of other outdoor activities. Sure. And Nate sort of, uh, yeah, Nate, Mort sort of mentioned that uh, you are bringing your family outside to those. And is that a way that you sort of balance that the, the family time sacrifice that Joy was talking about and sort of, you know, come on, kids, we're going outside. You're going to love it, whether you love it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when Joy said that, you know, she she had the nail on the head with the time away from family, going training on weekends. When you said that I'm training for my first ultra, sitting up here with everyone. Is, um, but, uh, yeah, when you said it's a part-time job, I was actually lamenting to Rob the other day. I was like, I feel like this training is a, like a job, like, you know. Um, so definitely time away from family. And, um yeah, so my wife, um, my wife and my daughter, I both sort of push them towards trail running because then I get to sort of share the experience. My wife has always been really, really supportive. I ran Sega Honda last year and we trained a lot for that and my wife was really supportive through that. And, um, and so, and she is kind of, through the amount of trail running that I've done, she's sort of starting to get an interest in trail running. And she brings my daughter to all the events, and now my daughter is trail running. We ran a couple of dirt cheeps last year together, um, and my wife is talking about um, running some races this year. She's she actually signed up for the whole dirt cheap series. Last year she ran damn good. She ran damn good. Um, she crawled across the finish line and told me, "I'm never fucking doing this again." Like you know, but uh, so but we were literally on the car ride home, and she's like. So what race should I do next year? And I was like, sweet. <laughs> so yeah, we try to make it a family affair. So just so that, just so that they understand. Like my daughter, I started running when my daughter was born. My daughter's eight now, and so me going on runs has just you know she's like, oh, you're going for a run today? I'm going for a run. And so when the weather gets nice, then she wants to come. And then the other outdoor stuff is we we Rob and I spend a lot of time in the Adirondacks, and so I've started. Again, that's time away from family. So now I'm getting my wife and daughter. My daughter and my wife climbed a couple high peaks with me last year. And so just the more stuff that we can do together, the easier it is when I say I got to go train. They're, they're a lot more okay with it. So. And Jason, you deal a lot with this, especially because you travel for work as well as travel for runs, right? Yeah, I mean, this is not something that I've quite figured out just yet. I mean, we talk about a lot, you know, talk about this as a family a lot. It's kind of this balance between, you know, when you're when you're pursuing an ultra distance or an ultra goal, yeah, you know, why are we out there doing it? I don't know if this, this question ever be answered, right? But I talk about this with Jeff Green all the time on these like long Adirondack adventures and stuff. But it's like we're, you know, you're pursuing that that limit, trying to discover something about yourself. Maybe you're trying to. Try to gain something, you know, face a fear, see what happens when you're in that red zone of just being somewhere you've never been before. Um, you know, what are you going to draw out of yourself? And when that happens, how do you take it back into your life once you discover it? But in pursuit of that, there's a serious time commitment that comes to do these, you know, 60, 70, 100 mile runs, right? So there's that, that, that pivot point there 
that gets to be a big gray area where if you put in so much time into the preparation for that, you're taking time away from something else in your life, right? And <coughs> I was looking back at my GDR training, and I think I was doing somewhere between averaging 10 to 15 hour a week commitment. I was doing a lot of hill repeats and stuff, but it's not just that, you know, you're, you're uh, also recovering, you're you know, thinking about your nutrition, you're planning, you're studying the course, you're spending, you know, the part-time job level hours, right? 20 hours a week maybe when you think about going all in for something like that. So um, I think what I've determined is kind of a season everything, right? I, I can't necessarily do an ultra multiple times a year for me or maybe even every year go for a big goal race. It's kind of a, a give and go situation. But the more you can, yeah, have your family involved in that. They, they obviously, my family's very supportive of, hey, this is a pursuit of yours that you're passionate about. We want to support you. But I love that they can come to the Adirondacks with me. We can do some hikes, some adventures. That's a way to kind of get that level of integration. But there's definitely, I think you do have to approach it non-flippantly. I've learned this after four or five years and be very proactive about planning for something like that, especially if you have people, you know, dependent on you. Yeah, and it's it's really hard when you want to say that it's it's your your lifestyle. Like running's my lifestyle, you know. And it's like, well, what is the, what does that mean? Because running was my lifestyle, right? And that meant like I just ran and I did everything I wanted. Now running is my lifestyle in the sense of well, like my kids are at that age where they like me still, you know. <laughs> at some point they're gonna stop liking me, and that's <laughs> I, I want I want to be around for those years when they do like me and. But running is still my lifestyle. And I joke around a lot that, uh, you know, over the past couple of months, I feel like I've been talking about running more than I've been running, you know? And, but that's my way of, that's my way of still kind of making it the, the lifestyle and not losing it, but still sort of walking in that gray area that you say, you know, like yeah. if, if, I, if I were to say, oh, well, I didn't run today, that means I can't go talk to any runners and I can't talk about running. and I, I got to pretend that you you have to sort of blend them and, and mix them together somehow. And I think right? it, just to add that a little, the corollary for me is is I think an ideal state is what is the minimum level of fitness I can be at. <laughs> so if North Face you know calls me up says let's do a 100k mountain bike race and maybe you know grab six seven peaks in the Adirondacks on moments notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drop in the saddle and do that. You have to and be able to go right. Right. What's that minimum level? Yeah. That's, that's my new so, so we're talking, uh, so you just, you bring me to spontaneity and spontaneity is where I was going to go. There's a lot of this is planned, but, um, have you ever just gone up on an adventure, Joy? Just got up and gone and been like, I'm pretty sure I could do this. Yeah. A few times. Um, I think my first, um, 50 miler was like that. Your first 50 miler was <laughs> spontaneity. Well, please do tell. <laughs> we, well, we had, a um, uh, ultra running legend John Prohera, which probably everyone knows. Um, and he was talking about um, doing the JFK 50 miler, which is um, part roads, part um, canal path, and um, some of the Appalachian Trail. So he was talking about it and I had um, just completed a marathon in the spring, which, you know, I hadn't, that was kind of where I was at was marathons. and. Um, he said, do you want to do it? And myself and another uh, friend said, okay. And so we had like a couple months to sort of start training now for a 50 miler when, you know, and trails, which, you know, I was doing some trail running, not a lot, but um, it was great. You know, it was really fun because um, it was just, 
I was so excited about it, something new, and um, yeah, so I kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'll just do it and figure it out. And, you know, the kind of the funny thing about that race was we weren't used to, like, all the um, food on the course. <laughs> so kind of the running joke was, and, you know, again, it was new. You know, the running joke was between myself and Tim Mangan was the other new friend. We kind of felt like we gained weight over the course of the course as opposed to dropping any weight because we were just, you know, constantly, like, grabbing something to eat at all the aid stations. So that was kind of funny. Yeah, and I think, was it, I think it was you, was, did you, um, you came to the race and, and as the race was starting, did you have to go off to the bathroom and miss the start of that race? Oh, you know what? I think I got a bloody nose. Oh, was that? You yeah, got I got nose. a bloody nose, so I had to kind of, you know, so, so you missed the start the of the race, and then you were like, we got to hurry up and yeah, go. Caught up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then somebody's like, oh, we got 50 miles. We don't have to hurry up. We don't up have any- to rush, right? You got plenty of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about uh-huh. you, Nate? Any, any uh, spontaneous, spontaneous, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I could do that, but, you know, maybe not. Yeah, and I've... I've just always tried to stay fit. I mean, kind of figuring out the same thing with a busy lifestyle. Like, what's the minimum level of fitness I need to be in to be able to do exactly what I want to do at the you know moment's notice? And I think my big spontaneous event was when I finished my 46 uh, high peaks. We put the trip together on a Wednesday, and I left Buffalo at 3 a.m. on Friday morning to drive up to the Adirondacks, picked up a couple guys here in Rochester that I had coached at Brighton, and. Uh, we knocked off nine peaks in two days. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like spur of the moment. A couple guys were free as I, I just you know messaged them on Facebook and said, hey, anybody wanna go up to the Adirondacks this weekend? The weather looks good. And uh, three, two others, we had, uh, they finished their high peaks as well, so. Um, Which ones? Uh, well, first day we went in, uh, we camped at, uh, camped Friday night at the um, Marcy Dam. So the next day we got up and with all our stuff, we hiked up and did Tabletop, Phelps, Marcy, Gray, and Skylight. And then camp, hiked down in and uh, camped at um, Panther Gorge. And the next day hiked out over to the elevator shaft, which I didn't know they called it that until we got over there, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, went up the elevator shaft and uh, hiked Colvin, Blake, Nippletop, and Dial. So we did those in two days. And that was a fantastic trip on the, you know, just kind of a, uh, 48 hour notice let's go let's do it and that's like the, fit enough to do it the trap dike what's that elevator shaft slash trap dike i think that area up to colvin uh yeah. no it was um not cold and it was cold and colvin yeah yeah okay gotcha yeah but i have done that's the uh i have done the trap dike on colvin as well yeah that's one of my favorite hikes in the adirondacks that's awesome we should talk after this yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. you can you can talk right now that's, that's why we're here yeah, if you've if you've got any rock climbing ability, any any experience at all, the Colden Trap Dike is fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. But don't always listen to Nate because I, he's gotten into me a lot, of, or gotten me into a lot of places in the high peaks that maybe were beyond uh, what I was looking for. Um, so we. Um, we were, I mean, that might be fine. I'm not talking about that specifically, but um, we were uh, coaching at a a running camp at at the Olympic Training Center, and so there was a two-week camp, and we had some time in between. So he was like, let's go check out this new slide on 
Wright's Peak. Wright's Peak? Yeah. He's like, it, it's really easy. Like, we'll just go up a little ways and then we'll come back down. <laughs> so we go up a little ways and it's pretty easy. Like, it's, it's, um, like a lot of just like climbing over boulders and, and there's like some cool granite and we're just checking it out. And he's like, let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. And all of a sudden I find myself like flat up against the side of like a mountain. And Nate goes, whatever you do, if you start falling, just like lay flat down on the rock. Worst case scenario, like it'll like cheese grate your skin. But you'll be fine. And I'm like, what the f <laughs> um, But we survived. Uh, we made it out. I didn't fall off, and I didn't have to like do a human cheese grater. Um, but just be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, yeah. That's 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 bonding. That's forming a friendship right there. And that's, <laughs> there have been a couple of times in the Adirondacks where Katie, she's there aren't too many people that are fit enough and adventurous enough and stupid enough to go with me. So <laughs> there have been a couple of times where we get into a situation like that and I'm like, oh, by the way, worst case scenario, like do this and that'll be terrible, but it's better than death. Yeah. So she still goes on adventures with me though. So. So, some people might know, um, Nate has also coached Jeff Green. So oh, yeah. you, can, you can see where Jeff Green gets a lot of his, his attitude from. Because if you, if you- I don't take credit for Jeff Green. <laughs> no, no, you might be the cause of Jeff Green. <laughs> you're, you're an accomplice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you've ever been out in the woods with either Jeff Green, um, Jason Vidmar, or Josh Stratton, the words, Worst case scenario, <laughs> are, are are pretty early on in yeah. the trip. <laughs> like, worst case scenario, we got seven hours at night without headlamps. No big deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we just lay down in the dirt and we're fine. <laughs> but you'll wake up the next morning, right? And yeah. You just like, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Um, just just great. Desensitizing to like these outsized adventures, like when you've done, you know, something, you start getting into ultra distance, you start doing these crazy races and events, nothing maybe seems as dangerous as it should <laughs> at a right. certain point. You know, let's just kind of grab some backpacks and go to the DAX for three days and grab right. some peaks. And, you know, so I think, that, again, going back to these gray lines, right, um, I think folks outside the running community, my family back home, you know, we'll talk over the holidays about, hey, you know, did this... 74 miler down in Georgia, it, it, it sounds kind of, uh, is it a look of concern on their face? It's not, not uh, support. It's like, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> so we kind of lose that perspective a little bit. I think it's the community as a whole. Yeah, I think we sort of all bring each other up to a level, a new level of normal, yeah. if you will. We're all enablers. And I think the problem there, like when I was marathoning, people would ask me, like, you know, how do you do that? And you know, you kind of tell them about the training, and then when I did a hundred mile, and, and any of you who have you know done these ultras, you get into the situation, you do some of these crazy events, and they'll ask you not how did you, but just why, why, why did you do that? And I, sometimes I don't have an answer. Yeah, I don't know. I'll get back to you. Well, that, that's pretty good because that's where I was going to go um, <laughs> next. Is uh, Joy? You were talking about like you know family sac sacrifices and camaraderie with friends and friends getting injured and you know you're still running and and what is it what is it that uh keeps you either smiling through the miles or grinding out the miles what what is it about running have you figured that out after you know a couple of runs you know i think for me it's um 
I mean, the camaraderie is a big part of it, but the whole thing about doing trail running, particularly ultras, is that ultimately you're going to be alone a lot of the time, too. At least in my experience, because even though I may run with people throughout, there's a lot of time that I spend alone. And um, one of the things that I found is that it it's, uh, it's an opportunity to really step outside my life and um, play is one word that comes to mind. Um, like who in their mid fifties that I know other than my trail running friends gets to run and run through water and get dirty. And like, I fall a lot, so I get scraped up. I mean, I've got more scars from trail running, kind of hard to wear a skirt sometimes. But, um, but it's also, um, I mean, it can be somewhat, for me, it's also a time to really have a chance to uh, be with myself. Um, it can be uh, renewing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard to put into words, but it's just, I've been probably doing this now consistently for, you know, I, I didn't run when I was younger, like in I didn't run track or anything like that. I really came to trail running um, probably uh, seriously about 20 years ago. And it's just, it, I feel like it, it, it keeps me young. It keeps me happy um, better than um, anything I know. And I don't know, I just find it renewing. It, you know, there's a lot of component. It is hard to put into words, but I, I'm just as happy out there by myself as I am with friends, or it's very different, you know, uh, experience, but both are really, um, I found necessary to my life. Katie, have you, have you figured out why you do this crazy thing yet? Um, I think so. Uh, it's one of the few things, or maybe the only thing I know of where, um, like each day just getting out the door and going through the process of getting in a run like you're you're um but bettering yourself in some small way so like it doesn't matter if it's a hard workout an easy run with friends or by yourself just by getting out there and working towards your goal like you're you're in some ways a little bit better today than you were yesterday and as like as i get older there aren't many things where i feel like i can do that um, and so I feel that it's really rewarding, whether whether I'm getting faster or just um, like working towards a new challenge that I haven't done before. And then the second part is just, I don't know of any other community that's as positive as the running community. Um, we, we like to complain a lot, um, you know, about the weather or the trail conditions or that we're tired, but like ultimately it's a group of very, very positive people and we're doing positive things and we're, we're getting outside and enjoying ourselves. And I think that's what um, draws me back to it is that um, camaraderie. Yeah, Nate, you seem that some of Katie's comments kind of resonated with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I don't think I recognize it as much about myself until Jeff Green he, he's a very intelligent individual oh, for some of he's his gonna listen to this. for some of his <laughs> exploits on trail that I, I I don't agree with he's he's very intelligent and his I love reading his 
I don't know what you would call them, comic strips or you know, <laughs> debriefing of his exploits. But um, there was one of them where he was very complimentary to a number of the people in the, the Rochester running community. Uh, and, and one of the things he said about me was that I'm always looking to get better. You know, that, co that constant pursuit of self-improvement. And, and I think that's why I keep going back to the running is let's test the limits. Let's see what we've got. Let's see how we can get better. You know, like I'm, I'm not getting any faster now that I'm 42 years old. Um, but I can get stronger, you know, I can get mentally tougher, I can push myself. And, and I think that that's kind of where I go with running. And I mean, I grew up in the country out on a dirt road on a farm and, and nature was a big part of my upbringing. And so now that I'm fit and, you know, can get out to different places, like there's a big world out there to explore, you know, like doing the rim to rim to rim, mind blowing, right? Just to get out there and, and I had been to the Grand Canyon once with non-fit people and we went up, we checked it out for two hours, we went home or went back to you know Phoenix and um, to get out there and explore the entire thing and like I'm, I'm now I'm planning trips to like with my wife I'm like okay we're gonna hike down in and we're gonna stay at Phantom Ranch or, you know and she's like okay like let's not get too crazy about this and <laughs> there's just a big world out there to explore and, and trail running lets you get you know 50 to 100 miles of it at a time it's awesome I think I, I really like best part of it, somebody's like, well, why do you run? You should walk slower. You can see everything. <laughs> but I'm like, you get 50 miles of it in right. a day. You can't you yeah. can't do that while you're, you know, lollygagging yeah. and dilly-dallying. The Twisted Branch race, like to hit that whole Bristol branch of the Amazing. trail. It's yeah. phenomenal. Beautiful that, trail. That was my, my first ultra was Twisted Branch. So mm -hmm. that's in the back of my head. If you were asking me the question, did you ever do anything spontaneous <laughs> that you were unprepared for? It was Twisted Branch. Um, but uh, Mike, have you figured out what what it is your why? So my question to you is, why are you training for your first ultra? <laughs> because when I was training for Sega Honda, I said, I'm never going farther than this. <laughs> And within two months, we were like, okay, we're probably going to do a 50K. And right now, I'm saying I'm never doing more than this. And we look at each other all the time and go, we're probably going to do something longer next year. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm training for my first 50K because um, I guess my buddies and I that I run with, we always kind of push each other, like everybody said. And so that's, this is sort of like the next achievement and sort of, I did my first marathon with Sega Hundos on trails, and and then it was like, okay, well, what what what's the next achievement beyond? After, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I never trained for a race like that before a long race. I had only done like half marathon before that, and the, the week after, I I called Rob and I was like, I'm so sad, and he's like, what? And I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I've been training for this thing for three months. And I'm so sad, and I was like, I wasn't prepared for this. Like, I wasn't prepared to all of a sudden not have a goal. And I said, I don't know what to do. And so we just we just sort of kept running and just kind of worked through it. But now it's like, now I've got a goal again, which is really nice. Um, and just, I don't know why I do it. I The other day, this is actually yesterday, I, I had some time at work, and so I said, I'm going to check out. We're doing the North Face Endurance Challenge in Massachusetts. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm just going to look. I'm terrified of this race. This is more climbing than I've ever done, and I'm just ter I'm super excited, but I'm also terrified. And um, I decided to just watch the video. So there was like a 15-minute video, and I started watching it. 
And I texted Rob about halfway through, and I was like, I'm just giggling watching this video. <laughs> Even though I'm terrified of it, I'm also, it's just something about running in the woods and now challenging elevation and doing these different things. Like it just, it, it hits some trigger in me. I don't know what it is, but I don't know, it's primal. I don't know, but man, it brings me joy. And that's just pretty much why I do it. Cause I'm just so happy in the woods. Twisted Branch 2019, Michael Burke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you, you were mentioning that the, uh, you know, the ultra blues is kind of a thing after, or even the the big goal blues. Like, I remember I ran my first marathon and I laid in bed with sore quads watching Netflix marathon movies, just like, like. <laughs> you know, I think I, I watched I watched the uh, Chicago Marathon with Dina Castor like four times, and I'm just like, oh my god, look at them running! They're all running, everybody, just running. It was like the, I was the most ridiculous person after my first marathon, and and I think there is a thing if if you have that, you know, um, it can get you going. Yeah. So, Mr. Vidmar, um, you have this thing about running around the world like or the united states let's not go the world right. i don't want i don't want to be okay running around the world i mean you know um but what what is it about a lot of your adventures are jumping in with somebody spontaneity and and um like you said being you always want to be at the ready you got your super suit ready to go yeah well, yeah. most of your super suit. <laughs> Some parts might be missing. Pants, for yeah. shoes. I always, I always go. I'm wearing. So, what what is it that what is it about you that causes you to always want to be ready for these adventures? You know, I, this is this whole philosophical side of running, and I think when you get into ultras or trail running, you tap into it, right? Because you always ask you're asking yourself yourself the question is when you're out there in this suffer state. Why? You know, this, this deprivation state, food, oxygen, whatever it be, you know, why do you put yourself through this? I'm still searching for the answers for that. I mean, I think like a lot of people up here, you're, you're kind of drawn to this. Um, I think what I've learned is that for me, um, I, I'm out there for the experience. Um, I think that ex experiences in my mind are more important than just ideas about something. I think that could apply to running, that could apply to life in general, doing something, no matter how small. We're talking a lot about ultras up here, but it could just be hitting the local trails, you know, getting a mile that day in the local trails. That's that's great as well. But have just experience it. I think is is that simple? It's simple, um, but that's that's what's important to me. More important than just the idea of what something might be. So a lot of that involves just getting out there. You may not be at your optimal level of fitness or preparation for something, but you just go with it. Um, when, when Laura asked me to, uh, if I happened to be in Utah, maybe I wouldn't mind crewing or pacing her at her 100 miler. Um, you know, that was a very appealing proposition. And, uh, you know, felt like I was in just barely enough fitness to be able to bang out some miles with her out there. But that's so glad I did. If you get that insight, you get that experience. Um, but there is another side of running, too. I mean, it doesn't have to be about that. It doesn't have to be so zen-oriented. I think there is the achievement side that drives a lot of people as well. It's, you know, what sort of time can, can, can I make? Um, if you talk to, if you hear Laz Lake on the Barclay Marathons documentary, he talks about just, like, the high, it's a lot of grad students, a lot of advanced degree people that are out there doing Barclay because it's such a kind of a type A, high achievement-oriented crowd. Um, so there's there's that side of running as well. And there's room for that there too in, in these adventures. So yeah, long story, Chris. I don't know, I don't have the answer yet. Uh, 
couple decades. Doors over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go the other way. Um, have you ever hit a funk? Have you ever fell out of love with running? And what'd you do to get back in, Joy? Um, I don't know if I'm trying to think if I've hit a funk. I'm sure I have. Um, I think that maybe sometimes after an injury, it's been harder to get back into it because I've gotten out of the habit. But um, I don't know if I've ever hit any huge funk around it. I think it's just something that um, since I've started running, I there's so much day-to-day -day value in it for me that it's that I just kind of keep going back to it. So I, I can't really answer that okay. fully. Yeah. That's, that's mm -hmm. an answer. Mm -hmm. No, I have not hit a funk. I still love it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, anybody hit a funk? Let's go that way. Yeah. Nate, you got one? Yeah, I hit a pretty serious funk in college uh, my senior year. Um, and it was really because I was too goal-oriented. I was too outcome-oriented. I was just thinking about PRs every single race. I wanted to go out and hit a PR, and if I wasn't hitting PRs, I wasn't happy. And the way that I got away from that was just, just kind of step away from competition for a couple of weeks and get back to the process and just go out and enjoy my runs. Just a couple of weeks you stepped away from yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, too, like, it, it's it's tough at the co the collegiate level because a lot of the athletes over race, you know. And my my coach was a fantastic coach and a great role model. But at that point in time, it was you know the mid '90s, and he was very old school. And so we would just go out and race every weekend and run a couple of races. I mean, there were races, there were meets where I did the 10K and the 5K in the same meet, you know, on on back to back days. And uh, it just it was exhausting mentally. And so I think I was just a little burned out on that, and I just had to step away a little bit and realize that I still love it, you know. And I think one of the best things for keeping you, you know, fresh is is if you experience an injury. Like I've I've had the opposite effect where if I'm injured and I'm down and I can't run, I don't want anything more than I want to get back to running, you know. And that kind of like freshens me up, and I'm eager to to take off again. Um, you know, I, I had hernia surgery in January and. Uh, that month off was rough. You know, it was like trying to figure out what I could do to try, I was walking on the treadmill, you know, like everybody come in through the gym and look at me walking on the treadmill and give me side, you know, side glances, <laughs> like what's he doing? I'd have the incline up, but I just wanted to run so badly. You know, and it's, I, I think if you do find a funk, I think you just need to analyze and see what's bringing that on, talk to a couple people and then step back and, you know, do it for the reasons that you love it, not, not the thing that's stressing you out about it. Katie, you seem to have had one of those as well. Yeah, I've been through some pretty big ones. Um, and like Nate, mine um, was brought about by collegiate running, I think. So I ran um, I ran at the University of Notre Dame, so it was a big D1 school. Um, and just the, the like grind of having everything be about times and... Um, and like competition after four years just really changed the way that I felt about running and, and like took, I didn't feel that joy that I did kind of growing up and running on the trails and doing it for fun. 
Um, so after college, I struggled for a while. Um, you know, I'd go through periods where I would train really well and, and, and get back into racing. And then I would take a long period of time off um, and like get really out of shape. And then it would be like a cycle because I was so out of shape that I didn't feel good running. Um, and I think ultimately what got me out of it was finding ultra running and trail running because it was so different than anything I had done. And times didn't really matter and place didn't really matter. It was just about getting out there and enjoying the experience. Um, that that was enough. Um, it, it brought me back to like what attracted me to running in the first place um, and, and kind of took me out of that place of, of it being so competitive and so about like outcomes. Mile 11 of the muddy sneaker. <laughs> I fell out of love with running. And uh, then I finished, I got a sweet pair of socks in this water bottle, and I was good again. Yeah, you're not really running at mile 11 of the muddy sneaker. That's the, uh, that's the hand over fist up out of the gorge. Uh, yeah. The yeah. And then you get to the, the not so steep part. Yeah. So, so Mike, <laughs> whatever. So Mike was on, um, a preview run that we did a couple weeks ago. Mr. Maynodesy was there. Um, there was uh, 12 to 15 of us or so. Oh, I thought you were going to say feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> we decided to go out and preview the Muddy Sneaker Run, and there was 18 inches of snow on that entire course. So, and in my shoes. Yeah. So regardless of how hard it is on April 21st, it won't be harder than it was two weeks ago. So we're... <laughs> my hamstrings cramped up going up the demoralizer, and I just flopped into the snow and just laid there. And I was like, just leave me. Just go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's times during a race where you definitely fall out of love and run, right? <laughs> mile, mile 75, maybe, Katie? Right around there. 76. How about you, Vidmar? I can't believe you've ever fallen out of love with running. <laughs> with with racing. Yeah, with racing, yeah. I mean, GDR, I think it's been about one year, almost to the date here, and it's taken me about a year mentally to get ready to think about racing again or being in that sort of event. Because I think the prep, I mean, you, you know, doing Burning River, the prep, the logistics—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, it's a different type of work. You know, I wouldn't call it pure running. Um, it's—it's uh, it's the prep. Hey, what's my nutrition going to be like at the aid stations? What's one of my crew plans? What are the GPS locations for the crew? Um, it's a whole different beast. And that level of preparation kind of took a little of the fun out of it for me. So training for GDR was much more memorable than running Georgia Death Race, in my experience. Um, I can reflect on it how I felt during you know being out there 20 hours how I felt I can draw on that, but pacing and crewing a 100 miler, even though I know Nate over here did 52, but with Laura recently, I'm, I'm thinking that that's the way to do it, you know. Um, <laughs> she had, I mean, because you have, now your runner has that responsibility, but Laura had basically this giant map, pre-planned, specific estimates to each aid station. She had temperatures at the expected temperature time of arrival to the aid station. On the map like, with nice little data. graphics. All I got to do yeah. is kind of, you know, ride around and eat. Her parents were, were helping as well. But that, that kind of, honestly, being out there kind of brought back some love for me. It's just the community, the strength you get from seeing other runners compete, just watching them um, take on that level of challenge. It does invigorate you. So yeah. I think it's been about a year to kind of, now venturing, totally different deal. 
Yeah. You know, that's, that's, you know, you forget your shoes, you forget food sometimes when you're going on those things. But yeah. you can just kind of pick up your gear and go. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going out to crew Jamie Hobbs for Western States this year, and I'm, I'm scared to death of the logistics of crewing somebody in California. Um, but I'm also super excited. Like, I totally think I, I will be all. I took a year off of ultras after many on the Jenny last year. And uh, Western States is exactly one year after that, you know. And so I think when you said a year, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that sounds right. But, yeah, I'm going out to crew Western States. And it's not going to be easy. But I think it's going to be fantastic. And so I, uh, I signed up for my ultra in anticipation of how fantastic it's going to be. <laughs> You know, well, so. Hobbs have uh, projected temperature data for each station. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll have he'll have contracts I need to sign. <laughs> it might be better not to know the temperature out there. Yes, I think yeah. for some of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's like, oh, the snowfall. I think that's going to mostly melt. You know, so. You know. For our audience and for your listeners, if I could just offer one piece of advice, if you do find yourself in a rut and you do find yourself falling out of love with the sport, switch it up. You know, and that's something that more has been instrumental in my running career. Like, I got out of college. I didn't want to do the track races, the short stuff anymore, so I started doing marathoning, and then that got stale. And so then I was teaching Mort's daughter in, I think, 7th or 8th grade at that point, and he then got me to do some of the trail races, and, and I fell in love with trail racing. And then once trail racing kind of, I was like, okay, I've done that, been there, and then he said, okay, we'll try these snowshoe races. And so I started doing snowshoe racing and doing nationals and all these and traveled all over the place and did, you know, relay races, relay trail races. And, and just, there's so many different venues out there that you can exhaust yourself in. And then I went to ultras, you know, and so it's been a progression through and, you know, hopefully I'll get back into snowshoe racing at some point, you know, come back, back around. Or as we call it, redlining. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Want to wrap us up there, Mark? It's eight o'clock, or you said we all have to stop talking at eight o'clock. <laughs> that is not true, but uh, oh, it's I mean, been a great evening. I mean, we can. We, I mean, you guys want to keep going. I mean, Mark's got beers in the cooler. We'll just keep talking. <laughs> I have one quick, just really quick story. You you mentioned earlier. I was talking about the community a lot, and this is. I might need some help with a name. Um, but uh, I'm a teacher also, and uh, the uh, uh, yesterday or the day before, we had a big parent-teacher conference for a student who was on an extended absence and coming back. And I walked into the room, and there's just a bunch of people crammed into this little tiny, uh, and I'm a few minutes late to the meeting, and there's a bunch of people crammed in this conference room, and then we go around and introduce each other, and the student's parents introduce themselves, and I went, man, you guys look really familiar to me. And uh, the counselor goes, well, they do a little trail running. Turns out the person was on the board of Trails Rock. And I was like, oh, that's how I know you. We ended up talking about trail running for five minutes. And the rest of the room is like, what, are, what is going on here? And, like, and I was like, yeah, it was trail running, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so it's kind of funny. It's just like, it seems like everywhere you go, you can find a trail runner. So. What's happening? Sorry. You know. Go ahead, keep talking amongst yourselves. Don't worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Mr. Lapata. Is that? Oh, yeah. 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 So one of the funny things is the Trails Rock board members. I think they're all teachers. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, Eric and Sheila are teachers. Um, and 
it, it, there is a lot there are a lot of teachers in the trail running community and I and I think that's an interesting kind of thing because we um, one of the things we're struggling with a little bit um, as as I with the radio show we're talking about the city and the diversity of the city and the types of people that trail run and who and how people get brought into running and I think one of the best ways that kids are introduced into running is by teachers. And I think just just showing people you can you can run a mile, you can do that, go right ahead. And and they just need somebody to kind of nudge them and tell them. And um, I'm I'm sort of dealing with like um, I have two kids and they're they're really excited about um, video games all of a sudden. Last year they were excited about trail running, and I sort of go. Can can we go out into the trail and they're like, can we just stay home? And I'm like, well, wait, how did that change in six months? And teachers have to deal with it every year, all the time, and they're always introducing kids to new ideas and keep dragging them in. And I'm wondering, Nate, like, do you have? Um, you were just kind of telling us how to get out of a rut. You have to encounter that often, right? Like kids, just like I don't want to run today. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You want to know how I get them out of it? <laughs> yeah, I give them my best Mortonay stare, and, uh, yeah. and they get out the door. No, it's. Um, I use that in my classroom all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, No, it's it's it's. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be intuitive, and you have to know, like they don't know what's best for them at times, right? And you pretend that you do, and uh, you know. So sometimes you just have to say, "Yeah, you might not want to do this right now, but." this is going to get you where you want to be down the road. And so we have to do this. And sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it's having conversations with them. And sometimes it's just forcing them out there. Yeah. Yeah. Just get. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's lying. Yeah. Sometimes it's lying. (laughs) I try not to lie too much as a, as a coach and educator, but, uh, you know, but as a friend, but as a friend, sure. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, I, I'm going to, every time I come back to Joy, I always change the subject. I don't know what's going on there. Um, what about, uh, so let's talk about uh, embarrassments on the trail. <laughs> Katie just was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, we've done things in the woods that maybe we might hope have stayed in the woods, but we're all amongst friends here right now. Um, do you have, besides uh you know, moose stories. Do you have an embarrassing story that uh, you tell at cocktail parties amongst friends? You know, I think probably the most embarrassing thing is that I fall excessively when I'm trail running, and I've had some pretty spectacular falls. I mean, there was one, um, it was uh, it was in Vermont, and there were a lot of kind of switchbacks, and I was running with two of my friends and I fell and the side of my head hit a log, like smack. And there was dead silence. And I got up and I said, I'm okay. And then they both started laughing, you know, but they wanted to make sure I was okay. And that's like kind of been my constant theme. Like if you talk to anybody that runs with me, um, it's, I mean, it's not like I'm not overly embarrassed about it, but it's probably, you know, and the other thing is, I guess I'm known for getting lost. That's probably the other thing. I've had some pretty spectacular um, uh, getting lost out there. So, yeah. 
you know, those two things. Nothing too crazy, but. Yeah. Got one for us, Katie? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nate, what's uh, Katie's most embarrassing trail story? <laughs> no, that's right. You can answer for yourself. He probably yourself. knows that. I don't know. Probably did it happen during your hundred miler? Probably. Yeah. It was probably like yeah. So in the same at Burning River, somewhere at the point where Nate was lying to me, I was also throwing up, and I just remember, like him just staring very intently at me throwing up and like dissecting with my headlamp on yeah with your yeah. headlamp and so that was like probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever like trying to analyze what you were throwing up yeah. so he knew what yes. to make you eat again like, this is just too much so that there was, was a bit of a honey stinger in there yeah. there was some tails in there. i thought it was more embarrassing when you went to the bathroom and ended up with burdocks all in your pants <laughs> <laughs> i mean right it's 50 50 thanks a lot <laughs> I um, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, I try not to take myself too seriously. Uh, Katie might disagree, but uh, I, I try to, you know, laugh things off. So we've all had our, you know, our bathroom episodes on trail and things of that nature. I can tell you that... Um, Smooth, worn-down stones from creeks were great for toilet paper. That's the Mike. That's the Mike Walden story. Yeah. Smooth rocks. Snowballs are also very refreshing. Uh, <laughs> I'd stay away from pine needles and pine cones. I never used it, but one of my runners did, and that led to some severe chafing. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, anything goes on trail, right? I mean, don't take yourself too seriously, or else you will be embarrassed at some point. What about you, Mike? Nothing, huh? No, not really. Well, I mean, it's, I'm the pooper of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I ran a trail race one time, and my, um, and I had. It was like one of the first times that I was using. Uh, it was a short race, and I remember it was like Tailwind or something. I, I, anyways, my water. Not was sponsored by Tailwind. Red, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my bladder broke. Which, which bladder? My 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 uh, reservoir, oh, yeah. not my actual bladder. <laughs> Luckily, and it just it just ran just slowly down, so my whole backside was just covered with this red. And I and I ran past Boots, and Boots goes, "Are you all right, man?" And I was like, "It's just my bladder. I'm fine. Don't worry. It's just my bladder. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's just leaked all over me, so." <laughs> It's just my bladder. I'll need a my new bladder. one when I'm done. I'm good. He's like, do we need to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of a Matt Bertrand story during Great Range Traverse attempt where he, he said, I think I have a, a minor leak, <laughs> minor leak in my hydration pack. You know, you take a look, an entire, entire backside is drenched in about 120 ounces of water. Right? It's like, <laughs> I think it's more than a minor leak. But, um, <laughs> I think you're going to be yeah, yeah. thirsty. <laughs> yeah. My thing is, I've kind of, despite my kind of stories of stout adventuring and kind of, you know, this, this, in my head, this bear grillless mindset that I'll, I'll attack things with. I, I've developed a blind spot for like low hanging branches and logs. Um, I just can't see them apparently. So, we were on a little leisurely Nye Mountain hike with uh, Jeff and Laura. Was it two years ago or a year ago? And uh, yeah, I thought I got like a minor nick on my head, hit a log hanging overhead. Turns out it opened up a pretty good sized gash up there and uh, took basically, I think it was seven staples to close at the Adirondack Medical Center. Just closed on that bill, actually. 
Um, but uh, it was just like, hey, this is Nye Mountain. This is this is the simplest peak in the Adirondacks. You know, we t actually took a wrong turn on our way there. Three of us experienced hikers in the Dax and went two miles off course. So when you let your guard down, yeah, I tried to I tried to meet them, and uh, I got there, and I met I met uh, Vidmar and Laura, and they're like, oh, Jason had to leave. He uh, he cut he cut his head a little bit, and I'm like. He left because he cut his head a little bit. Well, he said it was a little bit, but then we looked at it. <laughs> they didn't. I don't think anybody had any idea that you got the seven staples until you went. Like nobody knew yeah. how severe it was right. until I you kind of left. Quite a little, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, no, it's good. I got the photos though. Yeah. The, but uh, Jeff Green, speaking of Jeff Green's film strip um, style write-ups of adventures, he's got a good. He's got an awesome film strip of his attempt at the Adirondack 46er through hike. Very entertaining read, so I think that made it in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I think that that, um, so we've had the 46ers, and we didn't really talk about them, but I think what we're going to do is sort of wrap up a little bit so that we can just have a little bit of mingling before everybody has to go to bed, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah. It is a school night, after all. Yeah. No, it's know, not. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, tomorrow's Good Friday for some folks, huh? Wow. I had to work. Okay. Well, anyways. Um, Thank you all for tolerating me and my questions. Thank you for sharing stuff. Mort has a few words he'd like to say, but uh, thank you very much. Thank I you. Appreciate thank, it. You. thank you. Yeah. Uh, as Chris said, there are cold drinks available, and I do want to offer the opportunity for everybody to talk to these guys, either one-on-one -on -one or in smaller groups. But uh, thanks again for coming out, and if you join me in thanking these guys for sharing the stories and their experiences, um, thank you guys for everything. Thank you. Thank you.